So, uh, last couple days I've, uh, been looking through cameras. I, uh, got a, a mail in the letter from my former employer giving me access to some resources I didn't have before. And, uh, among those are cameras from pretty much around the world and everything. Now, I have the capability to be able to do searches on these things. And uh, just to give you a for example um, on the extent of the searches and everything, I can... hold on, I'll, uh, I described it to somebody else today. Um, what's a good explanation for it? Yeah, uh, rather than refer to something that I had before. <coughs> so basically, I can uh, I can search anything that um, I've had a couple glasses of wine, so you're witnessing a a me that's probably being a little bit too open, a little bit too forthcoming, and everything. That's okay. Anyways, I can search by age, I can search by um, location, region, I can search by, um, I can search by um, wealth, so income levels. And um, this is the thing is, you know, so when I'm actually searching for cameras and everything around the world, and yes, this is leveraging NSA resources and everything, um, I've got the capability to be able to peer into basically anybody's lives that I want to around the world, um, pretty much anytime, anywhere. And um, the interesting, here's a couple interesting tidbits for you. Um, fact, 90% um, of urban centers around the world, uh, actually 90% of the households inside um, urban centers have cameras in them. And uh, these cameras can come from anything from game machines to cell phones to um, cable devices and cable boxes. Um, and when I say devices, I mean routers, I mean um, access points, I mean um, wireless access points, I mean anything like that. Um, even your cameras, um, hell, even some... Uh, some little uh, animals, you know, that kids have and everything. Little dogs and cats that uh, have cameras in them and make fun of the owners and that kind of stuff. Um, all this stuff. Uh, I, I can go on with the list. Your TV, your DVD player. Um, all of these have cameras and, uh, and audio devices in it to be able to passively receive information. Now, I had a friend that was sitting there telling me, uh, it's just like, well, you can't, uh, you can't look in on my place, you know, it's not possible, you know, because I unplug everything. So it doesn't matter, you know, um, that's one of the beauties about modern technology is we don't need devices, we don't need electricity for these devices. They're powered by their own uh, power source, and in addition to that, they're also, uh, you know, have the capability to be able to um, <laughs> passively create a, um, what's known as a cloud network, a, uh, not a cloud, a swarm network, which can actually create an antenna that can send and receive information at pretty great distances and leverage that to, to keep on sending that information until it actually finds a, a point um, that can actually be sent over the internet. And uh, it's very fast. So 15 devices of these things working together um, can very quickly and easily uh, create a, uh, an antenna uh, that 
more or less an antenna array to send information. So not only do you not need power for these things to acquire information passively and uh, indefinitely too, um, but you also don't need um, you don't need wireless access at all. You know, the cool thing is these can actually create their own little network and they can, you know, route together and work with other systems. And, you know, if you've got a neighbor that's within a mile radius or something like that, I can send it to that neighbor and keep on sending it to, you know, to other neighbors until finally it reaches its uh, its home, you know, until... So, in any case, that's that's kind of... Um, that's So, basically, it's about 90% of urban areas around the world. I'm not talking about just the United States, I'm talking about around the world, um, have penetration, meaning um, on average 15 devices work in every single house to acquire both audio and visual information. Now of that, I would go so far to say about 50% actually acquire information um, at night as well. So I've got night vision capabilities for a lot of these things as well. And, uh, you know, before you say it's impossible, you know, all I can say is whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> So here's some of the searches that can be done. This is one of the cooler functions, and that, that's actually what I ended up getting in the mail the other day, among other things. Um, you've got the capability to be able to not just um, receive information and check through it, but one of the things about the uh, about the NSA, just in case you're not uh, not sure about what they do and uh, and how they function, they are a passive acquisition of information. That's their primary focus, their primary goal, um, is to passively pull in information from any number of sources and let, let people actually do the research and everything to see what's going around from around on around the world from an intelligence gathering perspective and um, the intelligence gathering functions are very 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 diverse so it supports people like me still to this day um, who does whatever it is that I please to be able to do it um, it also supports those people that are actually trying to prevent terrorism and other things it prevents it helps people that are trying to make the country a better place in their own way and everything and um, in a lot of cases it actually supports people abroad you know that uh, may not necessarily be a citizen of the United States and everything so the the number and the amount of intelligence Intelligence gathering functions that it serves and everything are pretty vast. There's a pretty wide array of, inf of, of things that it supports and everything. And as such, um, not everybody is going to be accessing it the same way. So for me, from my perspective, um, I've got the capability to be able to search by um, any number of different things when it comes down to the demographical type stuff, and that's my primary focus. You know, so in particular, typically what I've done, what I've done now is I've actually got a range, you know, um, 20 to 30, 20 to 30 years old. That's who I'm interested in. Um, you know, part of it comes down to health, come, part of it comes down to intelligence, part of it comes down to just, I want to understand the way they look at the world and everything. So I've, I've limited my filters to those that are 20 to 30 years old, um, those that are uh, sexually active and or um, like being naked, imagine that, me. Um, 
I don't have a preference on where they are in the world. Uh, my primary focus is basically United States, Canada, and uh, Europe, and uh, also some of the uh, bigger cities over in Asia, um, bigger, more um, technologically savvy cities, you know, Hong Kong, um, Beijing a little bit, not necessarily as much, um, Shanghai and that kind of stuff, Tokyo and and uh, and some other nation, uh, cities like that, and also some, uh, you know, some... Australian cities as well, Sydney, um, that kind of stuff and everything. So I can actually limit it by country and by specific area and everything. So that actually creates a, a list of different um, places that I can actually go to. Now keep in mind that when I've done this uh, done this initial filter and everything, I get back in a literal sense thousands of different results and everything. You know, and these these results end up containing pages upon pages upon pages of information and everything. So I've I further have to dwindle it down. So what I've done is I've done something called a trigger or an event. And uh, whenever I have a, a triggered event that occurs, um, specifically, um, I'm not interested in children being in the household. I'm interested in, you know, people that, uh, you know, um, the biggest thing I'm kind of really more interested in is those that actually do not appear to have a a source of income and still appear to be doing what they're doing. And um, there's a reason for for my curiosity here. How the fuck are they affording what they're doing? What the why, you know what and and how they're doing what they're doing? You know, I mean, part of this for me is just basically explorative. I want to understand, you know, how quote-unquote, the millennials, you know, are basically making ends meet and everything. And not only that, but I also want to be entertained in the process, too. So, you know, so what I've done is I've actually focused uh, the events and triggers specifically, you know, um, for households and everything, because I in part want to be entertained by this as well, is um, basically if somebody has a, uh, a level of attractiveness relative to my desires, and I actually had to go through and select a whole bunch of different images in order to, to ascertain what this level of attractiveness meant um, on, a, on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, 7 plus, um, and also so this is the final caveat too: is uh, they must have a somebody that's a woman that's in the state of disrobing, or is disrobed, um, or is predicted to disrobe, and also um, is likely to have be having sex, um, or is in the act of. So part of the fun for all this is just basically saying, okay, here's the state of filters. Here's what you can do with filters, and here's also what you can do with triggered events. And the triggered events are actually direct notifying me that uh, I have a camera or set of cameras and right now I'm looking through a list of the I mean even with it with all these filters on I've got 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 20 21 22 23 24 25 26 27 28 29 30 Three, 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 four, three, five, three, six. Okay, on one page I have 36, and I've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 different pages. So I have literally 360 different households I have actually narrowed this to. And this is just for me, for my own entertainment, just basically relaxing tonight and everything. Now, 
These filters, most of them are, are new. The trigger capabilities are what's new. The filters aren't. You know, so before I would get literally thousands of results. You know, so and uh, from there, most of the time I'd pop in and I'd go looking at a house and all I would see is a empty kitchen. You know, um, an empty um, what do they call it? Logia. Um, L O G G I A. What is that? I want to see what the translation for that is. A gallery or room with one or more open sides, especially one that forms a part of a house and has one side open to the garden. Um, looks like it's pretty common in Canada. So it's just basically a balcony, a covered balcony, or a, 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 um, a balcony that uh, is protected by windows and walls and that kind of stuff, or by windows. So in any case, it's... Um, with all these different things that I've been looking at and everything, I finally have the capability to be able to delimit the list from 10,000 houses, of which I'm going through and looking mostly at empty rooms, which is just a fucking waste of my time. And now I can actually narrow that search to 360 critical households. And right now I just saw a naked girl walking around, and I just love it. You know, it's fucking awesome. You know, so this, this is the beauty of it. It's just like um, I've gotten some in the last two days since I got that letter. I've been really seeing some, you know, really really interesting stuff and everything. You know, so, like I said, I, I went from 10,000 households, of which I'd have to go through 15 cameras, and it was like a crapshoot. It was a gamble to find what I was actually just wanting to see. Now, mind you, this is just the research phase, and I'm just playing around with the tools, and who knows, I'll probably, you know, pr be using this for a more productive uh, basis uh, at a later time. You know, right now, just right now, I started thinking, you know, this is already getting boring. I mean, I've got, uh, now there's a dude walking around. <laughs> He's naked as well, and his girlfriend apparently had sex. Um, you know, I mean, I've got, uh, I found, you know, one uh, one couple, or it wasn't a couple, it was basically uh, four people that were living in the same place, and um, one of the girls, she's just, you know, she's walking around naked the entire time, and it's just like, wow, friends don't seem to give a shit or anything like that, and that's just her way of being, she's a really attractive woman and everything, it's just like, damn, I never, you know, to imagine these kind of households, I never would have thought, you know, I mean, Jackie did it all the time, and I always felt, free, felt uh, freaked the fuck out and everything by it, you know, I can't, I mean, I got desensitized to it after a while and everything, but it was still one of those things that I never quite got used to it. You know, now all of a sudden I'm just going through some of these some of these cameras. I mean, like I said, 360 results is what I ended up getting returned, and that's actually what I've got my watch on now. And uh, they're basically all over, you know, from the United States um, all the way to a lot of them are over in uh, Eastern Europe, um, some in Paris, some in London. Um, it it does look like all over. I was just looking at the UTC's timestamps for some of these and just saw UTC plus 5, so that's uh, Universal Time Coordinates plus 5. But here's the cool thing, um, it notifies me, you know, so not only do I not have to look through 360 times 15 to actually find uh, the specific images that I'm looking for, or situations and people that I'm looking for, um, but it also, it's, um, it, it narrows it down to one or two uh, cameras in particular, of which were quote-unquote, the action is going to occur. Now, 
you know, for me, it's it's been really interesting because I've been so used to watching TV and everything. And um, before, when I'd look at the cameras and when I was working for the NSA and everything, it was really, like I said, it was thousands upon thousands. I mean, I'll go up to, up so far and say, you know, 10,000 plus cameras that I was looking at. And that's actually when we had considerably less coverage. Now it's at 90%, you know, and it's nearly 100% here, here in the United States and also... Um, the UK. So nearly, literally, 99 point like 6% penetration in urban centers for both the United States and also uh, for the UK. That ought to tell you something, you know. So, um, but, uh, but here's the thing, you know, before it was really boring, you know. Sure, I can pinpoint a household or something like that, and that got boring after a while. You know, it's just like, yeah, I knew what my friends were doing and everything, and I got to the point where it's just like I felt guilty for looking in, so I just made it a fact not to, you know, it's my own personal rule, don't look in on my friends, you know, let surprises be surprises, you know, and it, it made life more interesting when I didn't follow and watch what they did, just made it a fact to, you know, and I did that from the very start, and, um, you know, shortly after that and everything, it's just like, you know, one of the things that I had a really hard time doing, you know, way back then, when I had access to the cameras and the, uh, the quote-unquote spying technology, um, you know, I just basically, I would go and I would peer in, you know, but the problem was, um, I was always looking at a blank room. I was always looking, you know, and the things that were happening, movement to people and that kind of stuff was really not that happening. So to be honest, I didn't leverage those kind of resources that much. I leveraged the computing resources, you know. I leveraged the technology, the software, the um, research capabilities. But when it came down to actually seeing the daily lives of people and that kind of stuff, I just flat out wasn't interested. You know, it just, it was boring. You know, um, I didn't get an opportunity to actually look into and see what people were doing and everything, you know, so just because the tools and technologies that I had, you know, had access to were extremely limited. Well, you know, just as of uh, the last two days, I've been presented with new opportunities, and with new opportunities, <laughs> I found, uh, <laughs> that was one, one of my favorites, I just watched her, you know, for the first night, so I got the, the mail two days ago. Um, from the NSA, and like I said, it's a, you know, it's a three-page message. Um, some of it includes resources, some of it includes a discussion, none of it talks about money or finance or anything like that, unfortunately. And, uh, what it, uh, the one of the first things I did was I just started saying, okay, sure, I'm gonna go check it out, and, you know, I'm a pervert, let's go check those out, those resources out first. Well, I found immediately, you know, some girl over in Romania that, gorgeous girl, and she's just walking around the house after her boyfriend or her husband, no, her husband leaves, and she's just butt-ass naked and everything, I just literally just sat and stared for two hours, you know, I just, you know, don't need to interact with her, it's just, you know, she's beautiful, and just for me, it's just like admiring her, you know, from a distance and everything, you know, do I, you know, sure, I wonder, you know, did she, did, does she know? You know, I think deep down that she knows, you know, and that to, to some degree there's a part of her that knows, you know, so today I ended up finding some funny things, some dude at uh, 10 o'clock at night, he's uh, practicing his trombone, and it's fucking loud, too, and he is, you know, like I said, I had sound with these things, too, and he is just not good at all. 
Um, I actually posted images of the guy on Facebook, so if you want to see the images, um, just go ahead and go to my Facebook. You don't have to add me as a friend or anything like that, but uh, I am um, I am available. Uh, Q Scott Gregory is uh, is how I go um, on Facebook, anyways. And um, if I don't know you, um, don't try and add me. Yeah, you can go ahead and follow me. You can lurk. Um, but uh, if I don't know you, then just find a way to introduce yourself to me in real life. That's the only way I'm going to add friends anymore on Facebook is if I actually have had a real life encounter with you. But uh, I've opened the profile up, so you can still watch everything I post on Facebook, almost everything. There are going to be some things I post for specific people and everything. So, But uh, this one guy in, in particular, um, he's just cracking me up with his trombone today. And I can imagine being his neighbor, and my God, you know, playing at 10 o'clock at night, and he's practicing in his, in his tiny little, well, it's not tiny, it's a you know, two-bedroom apartment and everything. But it's just like, man, that was be so fucking obnoxious. Oh, so, anyways, um, I just think that would be funny and everything, but in any case, with that said, um, I just started, you know, watching some things, and it's just like, you know, this is really kind of entertaining, you know, just watching some people and watching the lives of people around the world. I mean, one girl today I was watching, She's cooking shit. She's you know she's bottomless in her uh, in her kitchen. She's got three uh, three roommates. They're all girls, and two of them came in while she's cooking and everything. And she's bottomless the whole time, and I'm cracking up. But um, you know, for me that's the entertainment part. But what's entertaining is it took her an hour to make her fucking food. What the fuck was she cooking? You know, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, so here she is chopping shit and chopping more shit and chopping more shit. And it's just like, my God. I mean, you know, it looked like she knew what she was doing. You know, me, I follow recipes. Sure, I can chop shit for a long time but and everything. But that's just, you know, following a recipe and everything. And I'm just taking my time. But, my God, this girl's going on and on and on. Chopping shit and chopping shit and chopping shit. So, in any case, it's just, you know, it's kind of, kind of funny. You know, um, I can't really share these with you. I mean, I can certainly share some of the imagery that I, uh, that I acquire and everything, but I can't really share the, uh, you know, any of the references. I mean, I've got reference to this, and, you know, I know you wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have, um, the same access that I do for obvious reasons and everything. It's, you know, but um, it's still entertaining, you know, watching these things. Oh, there's another one that I found. Uh, she's got a camera show. So she's actually, I see her, and, um, you know, it's kind of funny that she has this one um, vibrator that uh, she's actually using um, that uh, is more or less, um, you know, she's, you know, I was trying to trace her down and figure out which camera show it was and everything, but apparently... It, uh, I looked up the vibrator, and, you know, you pay a certain amount, and all of a sudden, boom, it'll go off. And uh, if you pay a certain amount, uh, at that point, it'll go off and basically, you know, stimulate her. You know, so you can stimulate her by paying her money and everything. I'm just like going, wow, that's... I'd never thought about that. That's interesting and entertaining at the same time. 
But now I'm saying old people, young people. Um, I mean, it's not always 100% accurate for, you know, for who it's talking about. It was one, you know, older lesbian couple that uh, apparently they like being naked as well. I mean, so it's pretty accurate on na on nudity, but it's not necessarily uh, too accurate with when it comes down to age. So it's um, it's a work in progress. It's definitely it's done pretty it's it's for me it's pretty impressive you know because now i'm getting at least results that appear amenable like right now i just got this result and all i'm seeing is a hallway another hallway and so anyways long story short it's uh pain in the ass dog I love that dog. She can be a pain in the ass, that's for sure. Yeah, I was watching, uh, oh, just all over the world. So I'm, I'm actually right now trying to uh, narrow the search and everything. I could look for specific addresses and that kind of stuff, which I've avoided, successfully avoided so far and everything. Like I said, I don't like, um, don't like targeting people. And, and here's the thing, if you know me, don't ask me to look for somebody specifically. Just flat out don't ask me to do it. You know, because I'm not. And I, I don't want you to be offended when I tell you no if you do ask. But um, in fact, the matter is it's just like I'm I'm doing this, and for me, this is actually a part of, I'm, I'm trying to actually main, make it so where my research at the same time um, is, is both um, is both uh, something that I can actually have fun with and be entertained by. You know, nudity certainly does that, and so does sex. But that's also not the only reason I'm there. You know, the one, the other thing I started doing was just trying to actually focus in. There was a couple that was, you know, quite a few that were watching TV. Now, this is actually something I think that this, this system needs. You know, is the capability for me to be able to simultaneously... Shit, hold on. So anyways, sorry for the occasional interruptions there. It's a couple things, I don't know, you know, it's kind of fun. Um, before when I had access to a lot of the stuff and everything, you know, when I found somebody that uh, was intriguing and engaging and that kind of stuff, um, I, you know, I mean, I had a tendency to get fixated until that time. It's just like, you know, it's hard not to be a peeping Tom. Now it's just like, hey, you know, I get a couple of glances of a gorgeous woman and everything. Well, sure, I might watch for two hours. It's just like, eh, you know, I took a couple snapshots and, you know, I've got those sitting off to the side and everything. But, you know, then all of a sudden I find myself fascinated by some dude with uh, playing a trombone or some other guy that was actually quite good. Uh, he was playing the uh, the cello, practicing practicing his cello, you know, I was, uh, and then, you know, just, then all of a sudden I happened across one afterwards where a guy gets this marathon blowjob, it's like literally an hour and 20 minutes that she's sitting there, he's just watching TV, and uh, she's, you know, basically, you know, sucking his dick the entire time for an hour and 20 minutes, you know, so, and it's just like, um, you know, just watching some of the stuff. It's just, you know, it's so random and everything. You know, so the nudity makes it entertaining. Um, you know, and some of the sex and everything. You know, happen across it and everything. But more than that, 
what I'm more interested in is is just I I'll flip through these, and while I've been to a lot of places in real life, um, I've got the opportunity now to look at the interiors, you know, of so many different households, so many different apartments and everything, you know, um, and just seeing how they're done. This one, for instance, you know, I mean, well, sure, there's some guy that he's got his girlfriend bent over, and he's, you know, her her legs are on his uh, on his uh, shoulders. Um, at the same time, I've also I'm also looking at this uh, place as just like it's brick, um, brick on two sides, and it's got this really interesting um, floor and wall. It's like a faux brick wall, and uh, fucking dog. dogs are go- driving me nuts tonight. You know, so I'm actually more paying attention to the decor of these places. Uh, probably a sign of getting older, right? You start looking at different things. So, um, the other thing that I was noticing, too, is the the outside. So, I've got access to a lot of these outside cameras for these places. And in one place right now, it's 927. Snowy! It's 927. And, um, it's looking freezing cold. So, I don't know where it's 9.27. I just looked at the, uh, the clock and everything. And, um, hold on. I'm going to do a search real quick. Figure out where, where this is at. So, where in the world is it? 9.27 a.m. right now. I think it's somewhere in Asia. Current times around the world. So that's one of the first things that comes to mind because I, I'm not looking by any particular city. I'm looking by um, cities around the world. So this is okay. Cool. This actually sorts it by time. So I'm looking at nine twenty-eight. So here's the major cities, Islamabad, Karachi, Lahore, New Delhi, Bangalore, Mumbai, Kolkata, Kathmandu, no, Kathmandu. So, we're looking at, oh, so it's probably the Kazakhstan area as well. So we're probably looking at some stand, Kazakhstan or something like that, because what I'm looking at, the, um, it looks like old Soviet-style buildings and everything that I'm looking at. And it's an, it's an outdoor camera, and they refer to it, like I said before, as a logia, L-O-G-G-I-A. So it's a slightly enclosed area, um, It's but it's a little bit of a balcony, and you can open up the windows on the balcony, and uh, most of them, people are smoking indoors and out in, in a lot of these places I'm seeing over in um, South Asia and uh, Eastern Europe and, every, and um, even a little bit of Western more, Europe, more Eastern Europe. That's uh, what I had noticed before, anyways, when I was uh, visiting there. But um, I'm looking through and I'm seeing, you know, some of these outdoor cameras. And uh, what I'm more fascinated by is there's been this um, discussion that the quality of living here in the United States is so much superior to, you know, to other places around the world and everything. And I'm looking at the interior for these places, and I see ceramic stoves. I'm seeing tile floors. I'm seeing. Um, balconies, I'm seeing tile, tile walls, I'm seeing stainless steel um, 
refrigerators brand new. I'm seeing, you know, this is in pretty much every every nation that I've looked in so far, at least for southern, you know, all the way from southern Asia um, to, uh, you know, going through eastern Europe all the way to, uh, you know, all throughout Europe and everything. Um, there's this claim that the United States and our quality of life is actually better here. And uh, I, I'm going to tell you right now, that is not the case. Um, what I'm saying is the standard of living here in the United States, at least by comparison, at least by the standard of living that I've unfortunately been, you know, accustomed to and everything, being homeless at first, now living with my mom and dad, um, it's, it's decidedly much better in other countries than it is here now. Um, I'm not going to go so far to say that we are a third world nation anymore, but by looking at some of these places and everything, it's just like, um, nicer, nicer furnishments in a general sense. There's, um, I mean, you know, every, one of the things I found really fascinating was, uh, there's a lot of homes, particularly over in Romania, Bulgaria, places that I've looked at in the last couple of days. And I got this, this access. Let's see how many days it's been. Oh, I got it Friday days have passed by. I've been looking at this stuff for so long. So I started looking first Friday night at some of this stuff. But one of the first things I started noticing when I was looking at it was, my God, everybody has not just a stove, but they have a charcoal stove as well, or a, uh, a gas burning stove as well. So they have not just a ceramic one, but in the same house, they also have a fire burning one too, so they can do other things on that. And it's just like, wow. You know, and, and one of the things I also noticed, too, was almost everybody's cooking, you know, so, I mean, you look at all these places and everything, it's like, holy shit, you know, um, I mean, there's, you know, almost, almost everybody's cooking their meals and everything, and uh, it's not something I think is as common, you know, but in a general sense, they still do the same thing we do. Watch TV, kick back, relax, play, play with the computer... I mean, life abroad, other than the fact that the standard of living and quality of living um, in these countries is, is better than it is here, um, it's roughly the same, you know, uh, it's just, you know, I, I just don't, I don't get it anymore, you know, is what it comes down to, is, you know, how anybody can feel justified in claiming that um, anybody needs the finances and wealth more than this nation. I don't, I, I call bullshit on this. You know, I think that it's time this nation at least, um, started, uh, started taking, you know, um, we've given so much and everything. I know I had given so much and as a result, um, not only am I homeless, you know, technically, um, I am living in a place finally on somebody's couch or on my mom and dad's couch, but for the most part, it's just like this, this isn't living this, you know, I look at some of these people and it's just like, you know, that, I don't call that living either, but that style of living, and one of the things I'm trying to figure out is how many of them, you know, how, how so many of them can appear to not have an income. You know, just makes no sense. Now, here's another couple that, uh, they've got a small, no, they don't actually. Oh, yeah, they've got four-bedroom plays. Oh, that's what they've done. So this one's a little bit more tightly cramped. And what's the time there? 7.34. <laughs> so I'm going to look on the clocks where this one is. This one is... 
So Minsk, oh, so it's that whole timeline. Minsk, Ad, Addis Ababa, Baghdad, Nairobi, Kuwait City, Doha, Moscow, Ariane. So probably one of these countries and cities where cost of living is considerably higher. So it appears like they've got one, two, three. They've got one, two, three, four. Um, four bedrooms, and they've also got a um, kitchen um, area, but uh, adjoining to this kitchen, they've also got another pull-out bed where it looks like another couple sleeping. It looks like there's ten people in this place. So my bet is it's probably just a, a higher... So I guess you could say to some degree it does depend, but still, you know, the, the accoutrements that they, these places have is so much, so much more... I don't know, there's just a lot more there, it just seems like anyways... But um, I'm fascinated by it, you know, just in general. It's just, you know, the quality of living, um, looking at, uh, you know, the um, some of the furnishments. Um, there was uh, one couple, um, well, it's basically there's four people that were living in this one place that I found the other day that, uh, man, they seem to love their party. And, you know, every night they're heading out and, uh, you know, it's just like they've actually got this. Um, disco ball that's uh, that's set up on their on a table in the in the main living room area, and um, it's uh, they they turn it on, you know, roughly seven o'clock each night, and you know, so far for the four nights, five nights, I've been skimming through the cameras and everything. I've been uh, it's one of the ones I go to because there's really two really attractive women and everything. But again, it just comes down to how do they afford this shit? You know, I mean. Is there something I'm missing here? You know, it feels like there is. So, anyways, like I said, I've gotten back into the hacking uh, hacking game and everything. And um, now it's just uh, leveraging my resources to hack cameras. And, um, you know, in a lot of cases, it's kind of funny looking at... Uh, they're sitting there staring straight at me because I'm looking through the camera and the TV. You know, so as I'm sitting there staring at them they're sitting there staring directly at me, you know, it's just kind of creepy sometimes, you know, most of the time the cameras that I find are, you know, I try to avoid those ones just because of the overall creepy feeling it feels like, but other than that, it's just, uh, it's been interesting, you know, looking at it and all and everything, you know, but, um, so my friend, you know, I had a friend that I, I mentioned these things to, and, you know, and part of all this too is, um, I'm going to make it clear, you know, to basically anybody who wants to hear, you know, um, anybody I know that cares about this kind of stuff and everything that's not going to be offended, um, so, sorry for the, uh, the cutoffs there. But, secondary note, in the 1960s and 1970s, a man by the name of Hal Puthoff, P-U-T-H-O-F-F, he, uh, he worked extensively with the uh, Defense Intelligence Agency and the CIA, doing uh, something uh, referred to as a PK, a psychokinetic... Um, psychokinesis and uh, ESP, extrasensory perception, and um, work, a lot, of, uh, a lot of detailed work. And his primary focus was something called remote viewing. Now, what he ended up doing with them was uh, he ended up um, trying to more or less find out um, for them, you know, finding different ways of acquiring information. <laughs> 
at a distance, and um, the CIA was was and had been invested in projects basically since 1947, most of which they really didn't take seriously. There's too many people that was, were constantly trying to debunk it and everything to ridicule anybody that was involved with the projects. And um, they, they, one of the problems that um, that anything to do with mind um, capabilities and mind over matter type functionality and everything um, has been the uh, the process and um, and difficulty in cred- credibility altogether. These things have, by and large, uh, for you know, since at least the 1920s and 1930s, and especially after World War II and everything, been considered um, pseudoscience. And uh, in a lot of cases, in traditional scientific circles and everything, they've been ridiculed and that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, there, there's a, a reason for for this. And I don't see the reason being bad. Um innately i think we all have the capability to instinctually know that our minds create reality um but we do a better job in my opinion of this process of disassociation to some degree um creativity at least from a material perspective when we're confined to the material world of the of the world that we can actually see perceive touch etc etc so what he did uh, was he ended up uh, trying to actually reverse this trend, you know, from the uh, from the capability and you know of it being something that was accepted as basically something that could be ridiculed, and uh, his his whole goal, at least uh, part of his goal, was uh, to create legitimacy within the intelligence agencies and everything for um, for anything related to the mind and its capabilities to be able to manipulate. Um, manipulate and interact with the world around you without direct interaction. So I, I discussed this a little bit the other day, you know, through things like Firestarter, um, that was actually a, 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 an official program that has since been fictionalized. Um, you've also got, uh, you know, things like, um, oh, what's the other one, Frequency, where people actually have the innate capability to be able to pick up on radio frequencies and alter those frequencies and everything, too. Um, but uh, his specific goal, his focus, was something called remote viewing. The ability to be able to uh, at first initially remotely see something without actually physically being there. So without cameras, without the capability to be able to spy, without any of this stuff, um, his goal, his his primary goal and his primary responsibility for, uh, especially for the U.S. Army, was to make it so where they can actually do and perform reconnaissance and everything based on target areas if they had no other means or methods to be able to do it. Or uh, in the case of um, they, they actually had lost... Um, had lost or didn't have um, the resources to be able to perform other alternative methods and everything. So it was presented as an alternative way to be able to acquire information about sources without actually physically being there, and um, or without having drones or without having any kind of any any loss of vehicles or or life in order to be able to achieve that reconnaissance and everything. So what he ended up doing was. Um, 
you know, as he started working on this, he started realizing the problem of credibility. And uh, the credibility itself was uh, was just, I mean, something I, I myself have encountered as well. You know, most people knew my past and knew that uh, a part of what got me into computers and everything was this fascina fascination for things that I didn't understand that, uh, that were complex and, you know, had a technological basis behind it and everything. You know, and um, a lot of that actually came down to superstition and uh, paranormal type stuff and everything. That's initially what, what got me interested in computers and computers games to begin with because I can actually see and experience and interact with ghosts and demons and um, angels and you know everything you know from a fantastic um, fictionalized perspective and everything you know so that's actually among the reasons that got me involved with computers to begin with um, but over time you know I ended up uh, staying the course with the uh, computers and everything because they always offered something entertaining for me you know as much in the same way that looking at naked people through cameras you know um, keeps me actually looking through cameras despite the fact that I've I'm rarely seeing what I want to see you know <laughs> most of the time I'm seeing you know some overweight uh, woman that's in her you know, middle to middle to late forties, and uh, walking around, you know, butt ass naked or you know bottomless and everything, cooking dinner for everybody else. It's just like, eh, I don't really want to see that, but it's still kind of entertaining. Everything, trying to figure out what she's making, and you know, I mean, it's just it's to some degree it's better than this quote unquote reality TV. <laughs> But with that aside, um, Hal got in uh, pretty quickly into the CIA, and uh, the the chief problem that he kept uh, coming against, particularly when he was working with the U.S. Army, was this problem of credibility. So what he ended up doing was something called reframing. This is something that's very well known with the neuro-linguistic programming community, um, and uh, NLP for short, neuro-linguistic programming, and something I've had a lot of training in myself. And... Um, what he ended up doing was he ended up coming to realize that uh, in order to basically get the information to sink in and not only that to create what was being requested of him, uh, firm action plans and the capability to be able to um, create um, training programs for the soldiers and the various CIA personnel, personnel that were actually going to be going through this. In order for him to do this, he needed to reframe the concepts and the methods and everything. Now, this, this hint was first given to him by the Russians, and uh, the Russians were long aware of the, um, the impact on the mind and everything, and uh, the overall... Um, belief that uh, that the the way something is framed, um, at least from a, a linguistic perspective, will uh, make it so where the information's better received or not. You know, you with the information, you know, the way that information is uh, is put. Um, you can tiptoe around certain words, or you can avoid them altogether and leverage different words and everything, and actually slip it right by the filters that otherwise might not uh, might not be ready for it. You know, and uh, here's an analogy, um, or here's a um, a direct example. In um, in 9/11, um, with the whole sequence of events and everything uh, that happened with that. Um, Iraq was invaded because we had credible evidence. Uh, it wasn't just credible evidence. We had direct evidence. The the they have different levels of evidence and everything that's uh, given for information that's received. We had um, 
And we had more or less what's referred to as Tier 1 evidence. And there are several different tiers of evidence that are actually received. And uh, Tier 1 is considered the most critical, the most um, actionable. You know, we've got uh, direct um, direct knowledge and information and everything that uh, lets us know that um, we are 99.99% sure that when we get there we're going to find exactly what we're looking for. So that's tier one. Um, tier two, it's it's basically it's li much like a, um, a hurricane system. You know, it goes tier one through tier five. Tier one being the most uh, most critical, um, and th this is basically in level of credibility of the information, reliability. So these are the tiers of reliability for the information that's actually received by any by CIA and uh, and the NSA. So tier one information is this is absolutely credible. This is something we can act you know it's fully actionable. Um, we it, it's almost like saying that we know it. Um, and while for the most part, uh, if if we ever get information, it's uh, that's called tier one, um, which I've been there and I have seen it. Um, if it is called tier one, and action is done on, and at that point, I've seen people lose their jobs and entire companies uh, get ostracized and everything because they had tier one information um, that required action. At that point, uh, that action ended up resulting in um, basically a failure of information altogether and caused the ejection of the uh, respective personnel and company that uh, provided that evidence. So Tier 1 is taken very, very seriously, you know, especially in the events of something that's a mission critical and or um, a threat to national security or something like that. It's not a question of if something will be done about it, it's a question of when. So Tier 1 evidence uh, or information, um, reliability is something that's uh, most important everything. And it goes all the way to Tier, you know, to Tier 5. And at that point, Tier 5 is, um, is still um, considered, it, it basically it's uh, from first, uh, you know, resources that we actually may never have had contact with before, but it is considered somewhat reliable information. Um, they, they're a step above uh, rumors. You know, rumors are just that. They're unfounded in a general sense. You know, um, you don't have a track record with the individual or anything like that. And while sometimes rumors are worth following up for based on the information that's actually received and everything, um, for the most part, they never even land at a, at a tier five, uh, tier five level of a reliability assessment and everything for the information. So that's the difference. A, a reliable reliability of tier five means um, that they, these there they could be potentially actionable. Um, if you request resources for it, and uh, at that point it's, it has reached Tier 5, at that point it's given enough credibility that you can potentially find resources for it if you're actually working on it within either the NSA or the CIA. So and at that point it's a sliding scale though. So Tier, tier 5 is considered um, a reliable, or not, not a reliable resource, a resource that has been unproven but but has not um, does not fit the profile of being somebody that's unreliable so first-time resources would be considered tier 5 resources um, or also resources that uh, that have no uh, basically no resources that have no track record um, or information that uh, that might be considered a little bit uh, too um, crazy 
you know, in a lot of cases, uh, conspiratorial or or that kind of stuff that actually has a tendency to scale up or scale, you know, scale down, you know, so you can have something that sounds too crazy and everything, and it might go from a four to a five just because of the nature of it, even if it's a reliable, uh, reliable person presenting it. Now, if you have a very, very, very reliable, reliable set of people presenting information or everything, and even if it sounds crazy, there's a good chance it will be reacted on too. And uh, believe it or not, the uh, the ones that are crazier are the ones that actually prove out to be the uh, the most uh, lucrative. In any case, um, getting back to the Hal Hal Pudoff thing, Hal um, was he was working with the CIA to do this stuff and everything, and his responsibility, um, more or less a self-appointed responsibility, was basically win over the generals of the army and um, and more or less create a program that he can then from there. Uh, more or less, should the contracts with the CIA or the intelligence agencies or any of these organizations prove to be short-term and, and or discontinued, um, at least he has a resource to be able to start pulling in money uh, financially off to the side. You know, so he was thinking long-term reliability of his own income, income perspective and everything, um, just as much as he was short-term. You know, and that's, in my opinion, a very, very healthy mindset to get into when you're going to be interacting with uh, contracts, one-off contracts and everything with either the Army or, or any of the intelligence agencies. So, and, and just to give you an example, there's something called uh, SBIR, Small Business Innovative Research Programs. Um, most of them, the Navy, um, the DO, any of the, any of the uh, DOD, uh, DODs have this. They call them, uh, it's SBIR, or Small Business, SBA, Small Business Associations. And uh, what they are is just basically a whole group of uh, different programs and everything that they have um, projects that they're interested in and people uh, sending bids for. And at this point, uh, when they end up getting bids for it, you'll go in, you perform what's re what's requested in these programs, and at that point, they'll get what they want, and you get a, a little lump sum paycheck off the uh, at the end of it. Well, there's no um, for these programs. The intention and the goal is to basically act as a Kickstarter for you to actually get into business for yourself and everything. And um, a lot of things that uh, that the NSA and the CIA does as well, indirectly, um, are intended to to have the same effect. You know, so when they actually find somebody like uh, like Hal, which they actually tapped him individually, they sought him out for what he was doing. Um, the the goal is for them him to create or them to entice him inspire him to create a program that's tangible to anybody that uh, has never been exposed to ESP or PK techniques before and to be able to actually n not reject it to instead basically say hey this is actually a wonderful program and everything or not even that you know to not fully understand the words that are being told to him um, and to, to be able to absorb the information without the mind um, on a conscious or subconscious level rejecting it. And once it actually gets accepted at that point, you know, you turn around and all of a sudden, boom, you realize you've got this training and everything, you didn't even realize it. Well, I mean, the goal with the Army wasn't necessarily be, uh, you know, to be... Um, 
you know, subversive about it. The goal was to more or less uh, provide these training programs and everything for the military, for the soldiers, and uh, to be able to, you know, put them through this um, program and everything, you know, but... The big thing was getting it to be bought off by the uh, by the general because without the general's approval, you don't have the funds. Without the funds, you don't have the you know the program. Yada yada yada. And the CIA was complicit in making sure that uh, that this program actually was amenable. So here's the example in Bush of 9/11. Um, there was the uh, the whole idea and concept of uh, weapons of mass destruction and everything. Well, normally, um, they would refer to nuclear weapons as just that, nuclear weapons. And uh, they would actually refer to warheads as just that and everything. But instead, um, because of some of the neuro-linguistic programming training that uh, that George Bush ended up having, having instead of presenting it as a uh, weapon of mass destruction or as, a, um, as nuclear weapons, and thus creating a fear in the public's eye and the public's mind and everything. Instead, he used the words weapons of mass destruction, and that actually changed the tone. And not only that, but it made it so where the public understood. And the public actually said, hey, you know, I mean, at that point, they changed their tune. In a literal sense, this actually sunk in. And what ended up happening next was more or less a whole lot of black budget programs and everything that were supported, and and uh, you know more or less the launch of the invasion of Iraq and everything, you know. So had those words not explicitly been used, you know, um, that uh, you know the the subtext, you know, rather than the precise language and everything, had that subtext not been used, it's quite likely we ne never would have gone over there to begin with. So that's and that's the importance of uh, of what um, Mr. Uh, uh, was it uh, Mr. Pudoff's uh, work was was he he had neurolinguistic programming training but he also had a, had a bigger uh, a bigger fish to fry. How is it you take words you know like extrasensory perception and everything you know and um, how is it you spin something like that and make it so where it actually sounds uh, sounds reasonable and feasible by a quant, by somebody that's actually more or less analysis-ridden, uh, that's scientifically driven, that's uh, based on the whole concept of, you know, the scientific method and everything. You know, because it's those people is that he had to actually slip this by, because it was their, their filters that would ultimately say yes or no, you know, to this training, you know, and uh, he knew it. So, anyways, what he ended up doing was he ended up creating a program and basically renaming everything, you know, so ESP was no longer, I'll, uh, let me see if I can actually find the references to it. What did Hal Putoff call ESP? Yeah, I I can't remember the words that they used and everything, but the the words are still the same meaning, you know. So 
in any case, it's uh, so they've got uh, something called uh, an article here called the Scient- Psych- Psychics and Scientists: A Mind Reach and Remote Viewing. And um, then they've also got, um, and this is actually on the CIA's website too, by the way. Um, they've got uh, they've got a whole bunch of stuff on precognition, the extrasensory perception teaching um, that involves uh, this man. Um, also, another man, Russell Targ, that's actually involved with, directly with him as well. Clairvoyance, learning clairvoyance is another one, paranormal. And um, another one is a proposed declassification of, of Stanford Research, Research Institute Association with the CIA and remote viewing investigations. And this is actually a part of what he ended up doing. Well, because of, of Hal's work, uh, it made it possible to pave the way for this to actually enter the public consciousness and in a way that uh, that wasn't um, that didn't lose its credibility. And a lot of it came down to it was his work that ended up uh, more or less discovering that some people, you know, sure they had gifts and everything for ESP. Um, sure, they an ESP is the capability to be able to recognize and understand extrasensory perception just simply it literally means other senses other than the standard senses so vision um, hearing um, sight or I'm sorry taste smell um, feel these touch I should say um, those five standard senses at this point were considered the absolute limitation to senses prior to his involvement and everything. Well, I can assure you that, uh, you know, I mean, I myself, I have more than that, more senses than that. You know, capability to be able to think, for one. You know, um, that that I refer to as a sense. And, and also the capability to be able to feel internally. And that's not necessarily touch. That's just basically a feel inside my body. You know, something's actually happening and everything. Well, and then there's other methods, too. I'm getting information from sources I can't fully explain, even logically and rationally and everything. And that's another sense. So, altogether, I feel like I've got eight legitimate senses and everything. Um, but uh, they're not... I have don't have them fully fleshed out and quantified because I'm the only one involved in these senses. So, here's the thing. And this is actually what he ended up doing was he ended up um, you know getting involved with them and discovering um, there's some truth to something called um, Yuri uh, what's the guy's name the guy could Yuri Geller um, he was a um, an Israeli that had the capability to bend spoons and at first it was just considered a uh, novelty and something that was actually done at parties and that kind of stuff but then he started getting invited by world leaders to to demonstrate what his capabilities were and uh, what he can do is uh, he first demonstrated that he had the capability to take any spoon and bend it with his mind in a literal sense um, this kept uh, proceeding and everything and um, he ended up doing this at parties he would bend all kinds of manners of different things and everything plates and pans and you know all kinds of different stuff he can literally uh, change warp it and uh, people would feel the metal afterwards and the metal hadn't heated up so he wasn't you know it wasn't like a you know Superman hot heat vision or anything like that he had the direct capability to manipulate the atomic atomic matter itself um, and somehow make changes to its its materialist material structure, and um, this is actually part of what the CIA was uh, was afraid of is if somebody has a capability to do things like this, then there's also the capability for be people to 
be able to remotely manipulate things at a distance and everything. And uh, this got them involved in um, in the program that led to the movie uh, The Men Who uh, Stare at Goats, where uh, George Clooney stares at a goat more or less for two hours, and that's the whole gist of the movie. Literally, it's one of the most boring fucking movies ever. But um, it's funny. <laughs> I mean, in just this really weird self-abusive uh, way, if you really want to watch two hours of a man who stares at goats, that's literally what he does. Um, I mean, sure, there's barely a little bit more to it, but that's really all there is to it. And at the end, he kills the goat. And, uh, you know, that's his whole thing. His, his th you know, he's trying to actually, and this is actually based on a real program that actually appeared in the CIA and everything. Well, that's actually what they were concerned, was if somebody has the capability to be able to remotely um, assassinate somebody, that somebody has the capability to remotely, um, you know, all they have to do is sit in their place and everything, and remotely stare into a, a warehouse, you know, and um, or a top-secret lab, you know, or... Um, in the cases that they were doing it, they were actually looking through uh, um, Russian facilities and everything and, uh, and acquiring information from Russian facilities about, you know, the nuclear submarine. This is how they found out about the, uh, the Red October, the one that was listed in Hunt for Red October. They literally found out, you know, what was being manufactured in other countries and everything. Um, the, when reconnaissance failed in other ways, they ended up uh, leveraging this. So when the United States ended up shifting over from overflights and everything ba based in the uh, late 60s and early 70s, you know, because the planes kept getting shot down and that kind of shit, they ended up leveraging resources like this man and what this man could do in order to be able to achieve the same results without threat to human lives and everything. So it's really one of those interesting things that who would have thought you know, that uh, something like this could be so successful that the overflights and that kind of stuff of cities, you know, um, the whole Cuba incident and, uh, you know, of course, missing a, uh, a pilot over in, um, that overflew um, Russia, you know, another one that was uh, actually over in, um, oh, what was it, Croatia and Bosnia and that kind of stuff too, you know, during that war. <laughs> You know, that was kind of one of the goals to this, is basically prevent the uh, the loss of life and everything, and present it in a program and everything that would, would not only um, leverage the concepts and capabilities of the individual, but try to actually find out what was possible, you know, with the mind. And this is actually where the things called PK, um, psychokinesis, the ability to be able to manipulate matter at a distance and everything. So it could be within two feet of you or two million, you know, two, mi two million feet or, you know, what is it, 2,000 miles or something like that. The ability to be able to remotely manipulate matter at a distance and everything. And um, it was all because of this man's involvement and everything. So I got to give this man kudos and everything. So... Once I ended up um, finding out some of this, uh, this is all recently declassified and everything by the CIA, and um, well, it, not all of it, some of it, so my apologies to those sources who, um, how I think you're fine with uh, me naming you and everything, but uh, if, if, if I've said anything else, um, please let me know through your typical mechanisms. Um, but uh, in any case, um, we've got something that uh, I ended up, um, I have the man's contact information, and uh, I sent him a message, and I was more interested um, in, in obtaining, I had heard that he obtained a manual on remote viewing, and um, 
he had actually created this for the CIA. And uh, from what I had seen, it hadn't been declassified yet. But uh, I wrote him and I asked him, I said, uh, does he have any material that he can share? You know, and the way I looked at it was, you know, I'm a, I've got several private companies and everything that I own, and if he's doing business with private companies, he shouldn't have any problem, you know, sharing this with a private company and everything, and that way, one of these days, if I actually get money, hey, I can actually hire him to train some of my people and everything. So I told him, I said, um, I sent him a message, random message, I'd never talked to the dude before and everything, I sent this on Tuesday, I said, accordingly, uh, well, I, I, I said, um, you know, you've, you've been working on, uh, you know, exploring consciousness in the mind, and um, in particular, leveraging that to perform feats of PK and ESP. And uh, there's a training program that uh, is tangible by you had quoted by someone without uh, innate psychic capabilities, such as myself. Uh, would, this training program would be of great interest, but I have yet to find any evidence of this um, in any of my sources. And uh, he he's ended up responding very quickly. He said, actually, the DIA training manual is avail available, and he sent me a link to it. Well, I will be sharing that link um, in my uh, in my um, blog entry and. Um, the, the film, um, he created a film that he's actually privately funded himself and everything, too. Um, if you have access to it or something like that, I myself, I actually looked through the torrents, and uh, unfortunately, I cannot find this film. And it's, um, it's available on Vimeo, and it's called Third Eye Spies. And it uh, gets into the whole concept of remote viewing and remote manipulation and uh, the capability to be able to alter things that are distanced and that kind of stuff. And not only that, but also just simply look at things that are distanced and everything. That's, uh, that's one of the interesting things for me. Is, um, but this, this video is on Vimeo. And it specifically, um, like I said, it is called Third Eye Spies. And it... Um, it costs fifteen dollars to buy, to buy it outright. Uh, let's see if I can actually give you a, a direct. I'll I'll provide links to that in the uh, in the next blog entry as well. So I'm gonna put down messages to myself for the next blog. Place links for third uh, spies on Vimeo. And this. So, and I'll also place the uh, the DIA, um, the DIA links now. So, with that said, um, it's the. Uh, I don't know. I, I just um, thought it was really cool that he ended up responding as quickly as he did and everything. And, uh, I mean, that's actually been par for the course for the last couple of years, is I send a message to Alan Dean Foster, and he's pretty quick to respond to me. And uh, I'm getting some, some cool responses. And this guy was pretty, um, thank you, Hal, if you're actually listening to this and everything, for responding to me as quickly as you did. And uh, hopefully I'll find another way to uh, to get this video, and I'll actually take a look at it. Um, I still haven't gone through all the uh, DIA training manuals. I just briefed through it, but uh, I will be going through that in the next couple of weeks and everything in its entirety. That I do guarantee you. Um, but he also sent me a link to um, to Pear Labs. Now Pear Labs is um, 
is something I'm going to look up the exact definition. Princeton Engineering Anomalies Research Lab. Now apparently Princeton uh, through the 1960s and 1970s was involved in um, something called International Consciousness Research. And uh, in particular, they are interested in something called parapsychology. Um, that's the involvement of the paranormal and the relation that has to the psychological model that's uh, known to the mind. You know, so this is actually legitimate, scientifically based uh, studies and everything of the mind and, and how it actually related to those events that are actually witnessed um, externally to the individual uh, that are actually referred to as the paranormal. You know, so that's ghosts, that's um, manifestations, that's hallucinations, that's all this stuff and everything. And um, from what I what I've uh, just uh, had gotten through with, 1986. Um, published a whole bunch of information on trials that they ended up going through. And then in 2007, uh, PEAR, was, uh, which is the agency and everything, was officially closed, um, at least publicly. So, okay, so getting back to all that. Um, in 2007, they ended up uh, making some other discoveries. And this is actually something I'm currently researching because um, Princeton Engineering uh, Anomalies Research has not officially, um, it's been officially closed, at least uh, on the internet and everything, but I've discovered through my own resources that it, 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 that it isn't closed. So um, I'm trying to find out what exactly they discovered in 2007. Um, I don't know, to be honest. So what that, in a lot of cases, when a lot of these agencies, particularly an agency that has such a long history as this and everything, when they, when they go through this process and everything, a lot of times they, um, they claim closure. Also, they can do one of two things. Typically, it's to morph into something else, or it's to in, morph or mutate or um, go underneath the uh, the form of a different entity or something like that. So they might change names, but um, not Princeton. Princeton's pretty typical, and they're pretty self. Uh, they're pretty um, pretty strong about maintaining the projects that they have. So what this means to me is they have quite likely taken whatever it is that they're doing with this and it's become classified. It's become something of of importance, you know, to the protection of the United States and everything. I'm I'm getting information that su is suggesting that it's temporally related. Um but what specifically that means I don't know. So in any case, I, I know that uh, no factually that for you know for the most part they're releasing a lot of this information publicly in a number of different ways and everything because they're interested in the American public becoming aware of not just the research that they've been doing but uh, also why they've been doing it and it's not specifically um, to counteract a threat per se it's more they're more interested in trying to help the American public understand the mind and what forms a mind and that kind of stuff. And not only that, but what it's also, what it's capable of as well. So I had a friend uh, quite a few years ago that uh, was, he just asked me a question. He goes, why do you think there's so many different uh, superhero movies on? He goes, do you think they're trying to tell us something? 
you know, and, um, you know, it's true. I mean, it was an increasing prevalence of uh, superhero-related type stuff and everything on TV. And while the stuff has always gone on, you know, there's definitely been an increase, uh, a marked increase, particularly since Marvel started producing movies and everything. I would go so far and say, based on 2005, 2006, you know, the advent of Iron Man and, you know, some of these things and everything, where these things are a huge budget and... You know, they've got TV shows that have been very, very fantastically received and everything like Heroes and, um, you know, things like that, you know, so, and I just, at the time I didn't have an answer to them, you know, but um, now I do, you know, the answer is we're changing, you know, as a species, you know, we're becoming something that we weren't before. And uh, a lot of these things are indicative of this evolution. It's, they're, they're not just pointing a direction, but they're also um, showing some of the underlying um, problems that are, that, um, are being realized. And, and basically, it's putting it out to the collective consciousness to basically say, hey, we need, we need to find a collective re- resolution to this. And a part of that means um, being open you know, concerning some of the information that we're actually sharing and that kind of stuff, you know, and why we're doing what we're doing. So, in any case, um, CIA has, has declassified a whole shitload of things that's really kind of surprised me um, up through the year 2016 that they've actually uh, validated that uh, that they're still to this, you know, to the year 2016, um, they're still, still working on mind-related projects involving this. So, in any case... Um, with that said, um, thank Hal, thank you if you're listening to this. Um, I definitely appreciate the fast response and your uh, your participation. Um, I will definitely be looking at that material and everything, so thank you for your time and energy. Um, the other thing, too, was um, is last night I ended up having some really weird um, thoughts, some things that ended up happening to me as I'm starting to... I ended up laying down a little bit uh, later night than usual last night, and I, as I lay there, I, I told myself, I mean, I'm, I'm reading a lot about this stuff and everything. It's like, okay, I know it's affecting my mind. I know it's a reciprocative um, echo, you know, that uh, to some degree the things that I indulge in, that I actually let into my mind, you know, um, are ineffective in an effective way, reprogramming and programming my own mind. You know, so I'm trying to choose material, you know, that that is in the direction that I want to go in and everything. And I'm trying to understand it because I know that, you know, taking this direct direct programming role of my own mind, you know, understanding that uh, no longer am I waiting for something external to me to tell me what to think. Instead, I'm basically saying, okay, here's what I want to think, and, you know, here's why I want to think it, and that's actually why I'm voicing a lot of this out loud, you know, and basically saying, hey, you know, I'm okay with being a pervert. I'm okay with, you know, my obsession with nudity and obsession with some of these things, but I'm also a technologist, and I love science and technology, in particular technology and physical material apparatuses and the idea of spaceships and, you know, some of the whole Star Trek, you know, beautiful, um, (laughs) to some degree, sterile interiors and everything. I like the idea of having cleaner places and, you know, just being able to explore in ways that most people can't and, and don't have the capacity to, or at least from my perspective, they don't. You know, but, um, 
So I, I'm taking an active basis in my own programming and feeding my mind information that specifically is is tailored, you know, to be able to achieve the things that I'm trying to achieve. And among these things are certainly um, a lot more capability with my own mind. You know, the capability to, in a literal literal case, um, materialize things. You know, I like the idea of being able to create a pile of money if I wanted to, and you know, if I do go to a foreign country or something like that, not having to worry about an exchange, but basically looking at somebody else's uh, dollar and you know, just basically saying, "Hey, I want one of those," and boom, you know, I've got uh, got a whole stack of them and everything in my wallet, and at that point, I go on my merry way. Um, you know, let's say I travel back in time and everything to the 1860s and everything. You know, can you imagine the size of the wallet or the briefcase or the suitcase that you'd have to bring if everywhere that you go, you have to have, uh, you know, in order to basically get a place to stay, a hotel, um, you know, a place to stay or anything like that, or, you know, buy a food or something like that. You know, every time I went to some place new, I'd have to make an exchange or something like that for the local currency. So it just makes it almost impossible, you know, to basically have and carry enough currency and everything in various different forms and everything without some means and method to be able to, um, to be able to get along. You know, so for me, the solution is pretty simple. Manifestation. I get to, let's say, New Delhi in 1861. Boom, I find out what the local currency is. I find out what it looks like. Um, and at that point, I imagine, you know, manifest conjure up my own. You know, I mean, every 20 years, every uh, every country seems to be changing its currency anyways. And I suspect it's actually to defeat time travel or something like that, but I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe that's just it. It's just like my way around this is to manifest. So anytime I go someplace else or something like that, you know, hell, you go back 50 years in the United States and everything, try using the same currency that, we, that we're using now. <laughs> Good luck on trying to do that. A lot of people probably wouldn't accept the currency. I mean, they might, but, you know, the simple fact of the matter is, you know, when you're traveling, you know, even here on this planet and everything, and especially if you're introduced time into this too, you know, you're shit out of luck if you don't have local currency and everything, and good luck trying to get a hotel or something like that. So my way around that is a simple act of manifestation. Boom, I manifest wherever I go and everything. I need a currency, and boom, I've got the currency. You know, um, if that currency is gold, Hey, I've got gold. You know, if that currency is pearls, if that currency is charcoal, if that currency is whatever it is, you know, I don't have to predict this going into it. I don't have to do the research for it going in. I could just go to places, and at that point, I get to discover the currency for myself. I get to discover the things on my own. That's the cool thing about it. It may not be easy all the time, but I think it would be a lot more... Um, a lot better and healthier for me rather than reading from a book and having a book tell me what to expect when I go to a place and everything. You know, and um, well, it was nice traveling with, you know, these manuals and these books and everything about every place I went and everything. I still didn't read the sections when it came down to the currency, when it came down to exchange rates, when it came down to the expectation of how much to tip. Um, a lot of cases I leveraged local maps and everything, and you know what? I had a lot of fun like that. And um, with time travel and the capabilities for doing that, I like the idea of doing the same thing. So anyways, um, as I was going to sleep last night, 
were starting to go to sleep last night. Um, a lot of this information and everything, part of the reason I'm talking out loud is to be able to create this environment and everything where my mind starts saying, okay, well, we're going to start going in that direction and everything. And uh, last night I was thinking about Jackie. Nothing unusual. And I'm just like thinking, okay, if I can actually direct my mind a remote viewing session and everything, you know, not having read the CIA manual, I can actually direct my mind, you know, what's Jackie doing right now? So, I wasn't, I mean, seriously, it wasn't about 30 seconds later, I'm in the dark, and all of a sudden I see, um, at first, it's it's like a, it flashes. Vibrant image, but it's in the dark. She's, you know, it's it's her, it's a bedroom that, that she's in. You know, she's, you know, she's naked, she's on top of her covers. Um, it doesn't look like anybody's in the bed with her. There's a palm tree outside and everything. The blinds are slightly open, and it's, um... It's dark outside, but it's still light enough that I can actually see that the palm trees are out there. So, I know that she's in Florida right now. Um, I don't know where she's at, and I haven't looked up or anything like that. Boom, all of a sudden I see her. And uh, she's laying there. I'm just like, I look at the ass, and I'll go, oh, I miss that ass. But, anyways, um, as I'm doing this, as I'm looking at, at this, all of a sudden, you know... She turns around, she rolls over really fast, you know, almost knowing that I'm there. And all of a sudden, you know, she, she like ends up flailing her arms and everything. It's like, she, it's almost like she's not knowing what, what she's seeing or anything like that. I'm just like, whoa, that was weird. And then all of a sudden, you know, it, it's like the whole room started spinning. And I kind of, like, disappeared from that area and everything. Well, then all of a sudden I started flashing. And I started seeing all these different other places and everything. I saw rooms that, um, you know, rooms and houses. I saw a party from above. Um, and it was just, uh, it was, you know, it was like a wedding or something like that. And uh, it was probably 30, 40 people. And, and as I appeared there... Um, and again, it's everything's like a black and white type imagery. Um, well, not black and white. It's it's grayish, but you can still see some color and everything in it. And uh, as this happened, all of a sudden, it's just like you know, people started, you know, panicking. And all of a sudden, it's just, uh, it's almost like a whirlwind formed in the place, and like a vortex had gotten had you know started in this area. And at that point, boom, you know, this whole everything starts. <laughs> flying around and everything. It's like, what the fuck is going on? So, anyways, as I'm, as this happened, I kept skipping in between different places. Every time it's like people are trying to get away from it, you know, to uh, not necessarily me, but from whatever it is that I'm creating by my presence there. And this keeps happening. I'm skipping, I'm skipping, I'm skipping. I'm just like, weird. So I'm trying to stop this and everything. And I started thinking, you know, at this point, I started thinking, wait a second. Is this what a poltergeist feels like? I mean, I'm here in my reality, in my world, that feels real, that looks real, that smells real. You know, everything about it seems real to me. But is this how a mind just imagining itself into an alternate reality or into, into their world and everything is perceived? Do they not understand what I am? Who I am? You know, when people see a ghost or something like that, is that just somebody in, in a detached, in a slightly different reality, just imagining 
or asking the question, what happened to them? It really got me thinking about ghosts. It got me thinking about the supernatural. In any case, I could tell it's going to take a little bit more work, and I do look forward to going through that book. And again, Hal, thank you for uh, for that. Um, but yeah, that's... I'll be going through that, and of course I'll be going through the cameras, and I'm going to post some, uh, <laughs> one of my favorite girls. Oh, God, she's so gorgeous. She's just, um, her husband left in the morning, and, um, she's just looking, you know, basically she's on, kneeling just on her, on her legs and just looking at her computer, and she does this for two hours, you know, or it's about an hour and a half, and I'm just like going... Is that comfortable? You know, like that? Anyways, I'm going to post the image. She's naked, and, uh, I mean, you, all you could really see is her topless and everything, but, I mean, it's a side, it's a profile view and everything, but, uh, gorgeous girl. And, um, I don't know. It's kind of the fun of seeing some of the stuff and everything. But, uh, from another perspective and everything, yes, I'm a, I'm curious about people. I'm curious about things and everything, but more than that, I like the idea, and I'm and I'm becoming more and more attached to my ideas and concepts of being able to traverse time, and I'm coming up with ways to be able to do it without actually having to have the baggage that I've been I've typically associated with traveling. When I um, ended up traveling to you know on behalf of the NSA and everything to Singapore, Hong Kong, London, and Paris and everything, I had literally four bags. Um, fortunately, all my baggage was being paid for and, you know, to be moved and everything, but I was on the road for six months, and I carried with me my Xbox and everything through the course of it, you know, because you got to have an Xbox in the service department and everything. So, anyways, I ended up uh, doing all this traveling and everything, and as I'm going from place to place, I'm just like going, you know, the biggest pain in the ass for my journey anywhere you know, is the luggage, and I loved being able to just take a day a day trip for a weekend and everything, and throw on a backpack and boom, that's all I need to have with me and everything. Well, I can certainly abandon clothes and become a nudist and everything, and if I actually lived in a nude world, that would make tra traveling a lot easier, right? Except for the cold places, but that would be kind of a pain in the ass and everything. But um, that doesn't really solve all the questions and everything, you know, that's associated with uh, with them um, traveling and everything, particularly uh, particularly abroad, and particularly when you're using time and everything too. You know, there's certain things that you need. You know, when you get to certain destinations and everything, there's certain things you may want to try. You know, and uh, if, for instance, if I was to go back to the 1880s, I don't want to be naked in the 1880s and everything, and and uh, especially if I want to go for a horseback ride and everything. I mean, that's going to be chafing and fucking hurt me. I'm not interested. Flat out not interested. You know, so. For me, the answer really is manifestation. So, psychokinesis is the ability to be able to manipulate things at a distance. And uh, this has actually been discussed in the Bible, by the way. You know, so when Moses ended up uh, parting the Red Seas, or, you know, was it um, the burning bush, transmutation of water into wine, and um, this, this snake into the staff. You know, all this has been documented in what can be referred to as the Western Society's historical texts. And for me, I've actually had to come to basically regard these texts as being absolutely real. You know, um, they're not the only, you know, answer for linear history and everything this planet has and everything, but they are depicting of, of, 
of a truth that has happened and that uh, could potentially happen again too, or happen in, in different ways and everything. And uh, the same thing holds true for levitation and everything too, you know, walking on water. You know, these aren't tricks. These aren't parlor tricks and everything. I mean, it could certainly be positioned as such in the modern day because modern day just love to debunk fucking everything. But I don't believe it is, and I don't believe it ever was. I believe that these are really very real feats written about what would be regarded as a superhero or superhuman in today's terms and everything. But these beat people are regularly being fictionalized and everything. And uh, the collective just doesn't want to believe in it. Well, that's fine. That's dandy. You know, but that's not me. I like the idea of being different. And I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not perfect the way I am. But I am at the same time. You know, I look like uh, I'm a work in progress. And I'm constantly trying to become, you know, something new. You know, to change myself. To be, you know, something that I enjoy. So a part of this means, you know, taking this work, you know, that Hal's put forth and everything, and PK and ESP and remote viewing and that kind of stuff, and make it my own. So, Jackie, if you're listening, I apologize about frightening you, if indeed I did frighten you and everything, looking at you from, uh, from above. I apologize about that. Didn't mean to, but I did at the same time, because I miss you. And to anybody else that uh, I may have frightened or something like that because I appeared in your wedding or in your house or apartment and everything and you didn't expect me, I apologize. But if you have a way of working with me and helping me achieve what it is I'm trying to achieve, I'm going to try to be delicate and I'm not going to try and, you know, cause you harm. And my goal is to be who I want to be. You know, that Superman that you might regard in a movie or something like that. You too could become that if you wanted to. And if I had my resources with me, I'd certainly try to assist you with becoming that as well. But I don't. But maybe if you help, maybe I can. Maybe I can pay it forward once I'm done with my journey. Oh, in any case, um... I'm going to call it a night, but that's it for now. Thank you for listening. One last thing I forgot to mention was, um, in looking at these cameras, one of the things that I'm really interested in is trying to watch the TV shows that, are, that they're actually watching. What material do they have, have on in different countries? What are they watching? And uh, not only that, but with translations, too. So, it'd be cool to be able to pull that into the feed and uh, maybe even watch it. Watch what they're watching. Anyways, that's it. That was quick.